Hey, before we jump into the podcast, I've got a huge announcement to make. For the first time ever, I'm going to be holding a real estate investing workshop right here at my office in Las Vegas. I'll be given the same blueprint that we've used to fix and flip and wholesale over 100 homes the last three years straight. We'll be going over how to find good deals, raise money to buy those deals, manage contractors, build out a team, and much more. And it doesn't matter if you're trying to get your first deal or scale your business. This workshop is going to help you get to the next level. And I'm purposely keeping it small so that we can have that intimate feel and get all your questions answered. So if you want to jump in on the workshop, you can find it at ryanpineda.com. It'll be right there on the main page, or you can click the link below. Once again, go to ryanpineda.com or click the link below. Remember, spots are limited, so make sure you sign up quick. Now, let's jump into the episode. So in today's episode, we had Troy Kearns on. Troy's a real estate investor here in Las Vegas. He owns over 300 rental units, bringing him insane cash flow that we talk about in the episode. He also was the REO king back in the day, did over 2,000 deals in just four years. So you definitely want to hear about that. We also talk about how he is expanding into the social media space, all the other endeavors he's got as an entrepreneur, one being a towing business that has caused a lot more headaches than uh, you know time worthwhile. But you guys are going to love this episode, so make sure you stay all the way through. Now let's jump into it. Welcome to The Ryan Pineda Show. Where our mission is to invest. I only expect to make money in things that I understand. Innovate. It's about believing in the future and thinking that the future will be better than the past. And inspire. I am much more likely to hit my goal just due to putting it out there. Now rocking with the best. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Ryan Pineda Show. Today, I have my good friend and real estate investor, Troy Kearns, here with me. What's up, Troy? What's up? Good to have you on the show, man. Thanks for having me. You repping that, those Raiders, man? Are you a Raiders fan now? Uh, I own season tickets, so I'm a fan. You're an investor. You're an investor <laughs> in the an, Raiders. I'm an investor, yeah. <laughs> PSLs were not cheap. I love it. Yeah. I heard, well, how much were they? Um, $160,000 for four seats. That's insane. On the 40-yard line. I remember I was looking at it, and I was like, yeah, I think I'll just probably watch them from, from home. Yeah. Pretty expensive. Um, but yeah, dude, I'm excited to have you on the show because you have accomplished quite a bit in the real estate space and really not even that long of a time, you know, when you think about it. So why don't you just give us a quick rundown of, uh, you know, where you came from and how you got to this point? So I appreciate you having me and uh, appreciate you saying that. So basically, in uh, I moved to Las Vegas in 2006 from Seattle, Washington, and uh, I was selling radio advertising there. And I moved down here because I was like, you know, just wanted to change. It's raining on me all the time looking to get into something else. So I got my real estate license, came down here, said I'm going to become a top agent. The market crashes. I'm in 2006. I don't know what the hell's going on. So I ended up, um, you know, teaming up with a guy named Ido Gavish and learning, you know, how to sell real estate. I hadn't sold a deal for my first six months. I think it's very similar to your story. Just a yeah. t- terrible agent. Yep. So I, I did notice, and I had always had an interest in real estate, so I did notice that, like, if you could get bank-owned listings, no matter what market it was, that those properties always sold. So at the same point in time, I brought down about 40 grand with me from Seattle. But at the same point in time, that's running out. 
I'm like about ready to get my first REO account. Well, I get my first REO account and I decide I got to move back to Seattle. Why? Because I'm scared. I'm uh, honestly, I'm drinking too much. I had a problem with alcohol at the time. And I couldn't, uh, I couldn't focus, and so I had no money. So Vegas ain't good for that. Yeah. So, so you got no money. Uh, you're not making good decisions, you know, and you don't know exactly what you're doing. So, and I'm just that close to being successful because I just got my first REO account. Yeah. So I told the guy at Countrywide to pause my account. Cause I didn't know what I was going to do. Cause I literally got five listings. I went like from zero to having five listings right away. And so I called my real estate mentor, a guy in Seattle. And he's like, whatever you do, if you're coming back, cause I, my, my old job offered to come me back and hire me for a hundred thousand dollars to come back just as a hired gun, even though they paid me substantially more back when I came there. So I came back uh, to Seattle, but my guy said, my mentor said, do not let that go. So I worked a deal with Ido. I said, you're not going to tell anybody I'm not in town. <laughs> We're going to keep this thing alive. And so we turned, we kept the countrywide relationship alive. I started picking up listings. I was in Seattle and I was the number 90th ranked agent in all of Nevada. <laughs> so that, that, so once I got one, I got two and then I ended up with 40 and then, you know, I quit drinking. So that solved a lot of the problems and I fully immersed myself into real estate. And from 2008 to 2012, I sold about 2000 houses. And so really and prior to that, I had bought two houses when I lived in Seattle in 2005, like one on Park One, I'm sure you know that one, 8600 West Charleston Boulevard, and another one up in Centennial. And basically, I bought those on appreciation back before I knew about real estate. And so now I'm bleeding out, <laughs> right? Yeah. I'm, I'm bleeding out, and I have no money, and then all these deals start to hit, and I'm driving around, listening to Robert Kiyosaki, and I finally hear him, why would you ever invest in something that doesn't bring you money every month? And so at that point in time, I just did some, I'm not a smart guy, I'm a self-taught guy, my parents rented a house, you know, I'm not a rich guy, didn't come from any sort of means. And so I just started relying on education, and I started getting a little few bucks in, and I started buying the cheapest houses. I didn't go location, location, location. I just went to the MLS and sorted by price <laughs> and started going directly for the cheapest stuff that they could get. Right. And that was all in the, in the areas that uh, most people don't buy in. Right. So that's how I got my start. So a couple of things that I want to go over. Um, back in 2010 was when I started. And I just remember like seeing those houses in those areas and seeing all the REOs. And I remember seeing your name because you had so many of them, right? And back then, it was like, dude, the buyers could buy whatever they wanted. Like, there was no competition. Right. And I just remember thinking, man, that's crazy that houses sell for $50,000 here. Like, this house was just worth 200000 like, you know, a couple years ago. Right, right. And you had the foresight to say, well, I should start buying these houses that I'm listing and whatever. Like, you know, I don't know if you're buying your own listings, but, you know, just buying up these houses in general. And that's allowed you to have, what, we were talking about this, over 300 properties today. 
Yeah, so it really started with, like, just, so I struggled with, like, do I let these properties go? Because I told you I bought the two that were negative cash flowing. Like, I'm losing $2,500 a month on two properties just so other people can live there. Yeah. So I had to bridge that gap. And then so I started thinking, like, and now I'm starting to make some money. So I'm like, if I buy this house for $18,000 on 1721 West Cartier, which was my first acquisition. I flipped one on Cartier. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So 1721, I remember there was three houses on that corner. $18,000 too. I just caught that. Yeah. Yeah. 18000 It might have been nineteen. Okay. I sold mine on Cartier for like 200000 Like. <laughs> That's crazy. Okay, go on. Yeah, yeah, so 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 there was three houses for sale on that same block, all like 18, 19, 20, something like that. And I could have taken them all three down, but I was like, all right, I'm going to see this. And my whole th- thought process was if I bought it for cash, then and I and it rented out for 700 that I could chip away at that 2500 that I was negative every month. That was the only thing was to get whole so I'm not losing money every month. And then once I got to even Steven, where I'm actually, okay, now I've got these two properties that are losing me 2500 bucks a month, but I have these other four properties that are making me $800 a month. Now I'm in the positive. Right. I just kept going. Yeah, that's crazy. Man, so I got one question that I've always thought about, and I just have never really looked so hard into it, but like, how do you get those REO accounts? Like, how did it happen? Well, at the time, um, you, you know, I didn't have any experience, so they want you to have experience. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, how did you get it? <laughs> well, so I, I hadn't even, I think I sold like five houses total. And so what I did was I got a letter from one of the higher-ups at Countrywide that a friend knew from Seattle, and I used Edo's experience, who had more experience than I did, and I got my first one. And then once you have one... They trust you. They trust you. So I... Uh, Countrywide was the first one. Then I got Wells Fargo. Then I've got just every single person after that. I just was like a rabid dog. I just called everybody. That was the only thing I did was try to get more accounts. What does the conversation look like? I mean, essentially, you're just, you know, a sales pitch. You know, you're telling them, hey, why they should select you in Nevada, why you're the best person to get them the most money, why they should trust you. And then it's a lot of networking. You got to go to the – they have events all over the town, like REO Mac um, is a big – I guess, trade industry that they use. They have another one, DSW News, and they're all in Dallas. So you got to know where the banks are, right? So there was a lot of them in Irvine. There was a lot of them in Dallas, Texas, a lot of them in Philadelphia. So I would just fly there and meet the people. And yeah. if you're meeting the people and you're doing belly-to-belly business and they and you can earn their trust, then they start assigning you assets. I mean, yeah. one day I got like 60, 60 properties. As you can see, 60 listings in one day. Dude. Yeah. And that's the big thing I've learned from talking with you over the years is like, you're so big on proximity and relationships. Like you will, you know, not wait for people to come to you. Like you're going to go out there and meet the person you got to meet because you realize how important it is for everything you do. For sure. So I, I love that. And, you know, Let's talk about what happened after that because, you know, right now there's no such thing as an REO today. Like, right. You know, so what, you know, they started to die out a little bit after time. So what happened? Well, it's, it's really funny you mentioned that. It was like, you know, we were, we were, I guess it's like a gold rush, so to speak. Like when that money, like probably your first year flipping, you know, like when yeah. the money's coming in and it's hitting. So from 2008 to 2012, like 
had no free time. It was just like trying to get more properties, trying to sell as many as possible. And then we slowly started to see it end. Like Catherine Cortez Mastro, our attorney general at the time, like made it illegal to do foreclosures in October of 2011. I remember that. Yeah, so that (laughs) basically killed my business. And so at that point in time, I took a trip to Asia, okay, just for a vacation. Okay. So me and a buddy of mine, another guy, uh, Eric Roth, who's a um, was a big REO guy. We went to Asia, and I just kind of was like, okay, what's next? I was still buying, so I had still bought a lot of houses. So I think I had bought, before that had stopped, 52 total units. A lot of them were fourplexes in Vegas. So I had enough cash flow coming in. And you were buying those all cash? Every single one. Wow. That's crazy. Well, you got to keep in mind they were nineteen grand. <laughs> no, I know, and that's why I'm saying they were all cash. Like, but dang, so you bought? How much do you think you were into those fifty-two units for back in the day? Mm, probably three million. Three million, and you had built that cash just from listing all these properties. I just re I just reinvest. I'm addicted. I can't stop. Yeah, you just kept putting them back in. What do you think those are worth today? Well, most of them are sold. Okay. So um, I just sold, I'll give you an example of a couple that we just sold. So I've got one, you can look it up right now. It's on, what is it, 1108 Madison. Okay. I bought it for 20. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> just hearing this cracks me up, dude. Yeah. Okay. So I bought it for 20. I had to reduce it. I think we're in contract for 185 or 189 right now. Yeah. Dude, crazy. Yeah, I'm so a little crazy. upset. I thought I was going to get 220. <laughs> <laughs> you, now you're just getting greedy. You know, I'm kind of mad I didn't get that 11x return plus, you know, all the cash flow these last 10 years. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's been, yeah, the, the, the the deal was, and a lot of them I sold off, you know, in 13 and 14 and and kind of started to diversify my portfolio. I actually stopped buying in Vegas in 2011 on single family. I haven't bought a single family rental hold since 2011 out here. So you bought the 50 here and then you, you know, you're like, I'm done buying the holds here. Yep. The, the $20,000 is just too much. <laughs> <laughs> well, hindsight's twenty twenty. Yeah, yeah. I should have kept going, okay? Yeah. But I, I had a beef with my property manager at the time, and I'm like, until we're above 85% occupancy, yeah. I'm not buying anymore. Right, right. So, But still, like, the, it's just crazy. You know, one of the things that you've always talked about is you were doing it back in the day, you know, buying all these properties, and obviously you're making a ton of money listing them too, but all your buddies were just listing and then like not reinvesting their money and stuff. Like, what were you thinking back then? Well, we actually had a few, I'm sure you remember Jared Jones. Mm-hmm. I had a few guys that I competed with and it was kind of funny because once they doubled up from 25 to 50, they're like, I'm out. Yeah. And for me, I remember actually getting, a, we had a bus tour with uh, the Fidelity Invest. The Fidelity was one of the big listing sources. I think it was called LPS. And they basically were an asset management companies for a lot of the banks, and they would assign those listings out. And I remember I was on the bus with a lot of the local realtors here in town, and it was 2009. And they're like, well, what are you buying, Troy? And what, what, they're looking at me like I'm crazy. I'm like, well, I'm buying these houses. And they're like, but the market's going to get worse next year. <laughs> what are these going to go to? <laughs> and I yeah. go, well, I just bought a house that was <laughs> cheaper than it was built in 1947. I'm pretty sure <laughs> if it goes down more, I'll buy more because they're renting out for, you know, seven, $800. Right. So that's what I did. Yeah, because I just, you know, 
I've been in the game since 2010. Like I said, I wasn't doing anything as an agent, not anything. I've never done anything as an agent, really. But, you know, I listened to your story, and I know a lot of the guys who've been around for 10, 20, 30 years, and I did not hear of any of them really taking advantage of what an opportunity we had back in 10, 11. Like, I can't think of really anyone who did and kept them and, you know, really profited from it. I, I hear about a lot of the guys who flipped. You know, there was a ton of guys buying houses yep. at the auction and flipping and turning and burning, but no one kept them. Right. Crazy. Yeah, and and I and I didn't flip at all. Like I I didn't flip my first house. I don't think besides like one I did in Seattle in '04 until 2012. Yeah. So I wasn't even into the flipping game at all. I did, the auctions were a little bit too like I guess uh, scary for me. You know, in yeah. terms of trying to understand that. But yeah, most guys they're not thinking long term. Yeah, and I mean that was a benefit to you for not like having that mindset, right? Because maybe if you got a taste of flipping, you'd have been like, oh. Maybe I should flip all of these. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I think the flipping thing has always been like it's a capital raise versus like anything else for me. It's always been like, hey, if I need extra capital, let's go flip real estate. Or sell off a rental, you know, whatever. Uh, I, I don't sell off rental. I'm pretty strong in terms of holding on to them. Like everything I'm holding, I'm trying to hold for 10 years. Got it. So tell me about it. You know, you got over 300 now. Like where are the majority of those? What's the mix look like? So, um, in 2011, I identified, so in my mind, I thought like, Hey, if Las Vegas is just getting decimated and we're a pretty big city, then the folks in Mississippi must be just giving away their properties. Right. That was my (laughs) rationale. So no market research, just like, yeah, just like I know (laughs) if, if this is going on here, it's like, and well, and even if you would have looked at the market research, you wouldn't have understood because the, the, the people there don't sell their land and they all own it free and clear. And so I went there to start looking for like a piece of land, kind of one of those uh, bug out programs, you know, where you got like a yeah. place to, you know, yeah, in case the world ends. And so what I did is I ended up going down there and not buying that, but I looked at the market and I saw it was a market that a most people ignored because it's a smaller market, Biloxi, Mississippi. Okay. I bought one property there, tried it out one lend to two, how, many, how much were those properties running for? The first one I bought was for thirty-two thousand okay. dollars, and I rented it out for seven twenty-five. And insurance and is super cheap down there, and taxes are relatively cheap down there. So I bought. Right now, I have about seventy single families in Mississippi, and I have an apartment, forty-two unit apartment complex there, and that's pretty much most of my holdings in Mississippi. Okay, where are the other couple of hundred at? So I bought, so that would take you, so I've got four commercial buildings here. So we obviously say those units counts. Like I got eight units in Rainbow and yeah. eight units in Sahara. And then Fremont's got, you know, 12 units. So I've got the 42 units on the apartment building in Mississippi. And then I bought this last year about 70 properties in 12 months in Kansas City. By taking the last properties that I, so my goal last year was to double my cash flow. And I looked at, I'm like, how am I going to double my cash flow? How am I going to do that with like no money in the bank? And so I'm looking at the properties. I'm like, okay, so I've got this property on Madison, right? That I just mentioned that I bought for 20 grand and it's getting $800 a month rent, which is a great return on 20 grand. But if the house is worth 200,000, it's not a great return. So I'm like, I'm going to sell, I'm going to identify a market and I'm going to sell all my stuff here. 
and go 1031 it and and double up my cash flow. And so I, I, I set a goal to hit between 40 and 60 houses in Kansas City, Missouri, which is the market I identified, and I hit 70. That's crazy. So why why Kansas City? What do you like about it? It's like real estate heaven. <laughs> I mean, like if you like to flip, and I'll tell you this, like you like to flip, I mean, every house is a flip there. Like every every house I buy, I'm up 30 grand and just buying it off the MLS because all the houses out there were built in the 1900s as opposed to here where like our oldest house might be 1945 right. or 1950. So you have a lot of aged inventory. You had Kansas City that went through a fl- uh, exodus. But in terms of like the met- metrics of the market, they went through like a 20-year city plan with like their transportation system. And I looked at all the, the variables and it, it just made sense. Right. Yeah. And so tell me like what a deal looks like out there typically. So I would say typically I'm all in for 60 grand. So I might buy it for 35 and put, you know, 25 into it, or I might buy it for 50 and put 10 into it. But let's say average, I'm all in for 60 and average rent is anywhere from 800 to a thousand. And it's worth, what do you think? After I'm fixed it up, um, it varies, but some of them are worth 120. And I might be in it for 60. That's crazy. And some of them are, yeah, it, 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 I'm, I'm telling you, yeah, I know yeah. you might want to launch an office in Kansas City tomorrow. All right, you know, we're going to have to end this podcast early, and uh, I'm going to have to go check Kansas City out. I highly encourage it. I always feel, the, like I said, comp, competition's a good thing and more people in it. But, yeah, it's a, it's a great market. There's flips on every corner, yeah. and, and they're not running out of them. Like, yeah, it's crazy. And I know a lot of people having success out there, so it's obviously people are going out there for a reason. Yeah, well, actually, you'll find it funny because I know you're a huge sports nut, but I was watching Monday Night Football against Mahomes and and the Colts, and I had just checked out Indianapolis on a on a deal I had been invited out to, and I was like, okay, this market already ran. And then I went down to um, Kansas City, and I'm like, this is the place to go. But when I watched the football game, I told my wife, I said, Kansas City's the next market. She's like, on a football game? <laughs> and I'm like... This guy, Pat Mahomes, is something special. Let's go check him out. So we booked our trip to go out there to watch, the at that point in time, the Oakland Raiders play the Kansas City Chiefs, and we fell in love with it. We, I mean, I knew I could make money there. So we got to thank Mahomes for that. Um, <laughs> you know, he just signed his $500 million deal. Right. So you identified a right market and the right player because he uh, obviously has been – I knew they were yeah, going to crazy. Yeah, I knew that, that, that they were going to shine a light on that. Well, he was going to shine a light on that market, and guys that do what I do, we're going to see what I saw. Yeah, and you know, when I was playing baseball, we played in Kansas City a lot um, in the minors. And if you ever been to that Legends uh, like area, the shopping center, yeah, the Legends shopping yeah. center and mall and stuff, they got the stadium for the T Bones right across. Yeah, and so we played there many times. It's beautiful. I, I think Kansas City's great. I've yeah. stayed there many times. Yeah, I'm building a house right by there. That area's tight. I yeah. like that. Yeah, right by the airport you're talking about, like yeah. just further down from the airports uh, on your way into yeah. town. Yeah, they have so many like sports. They got so much shopping. Like it's not, and for you know a place that has sixty thousand dollar homes, like that's unheard of. And they're cheaper if you're buying them wholesale. I'm buying retail. <laughs> yeah, you could if you did your own marketing and everything. Well, yeah, you could get way better. Yeah, I've, I've been getting deals from wholesalers for like fifteen grand. It's crazy. Yeah, I mean, I might have to put a whole new house back together for fifty or sixty grand, but that house is now worth one hundred and fifty. Yeah, why not? So, it doesn't really matter. So that's dope. Um, I actually want to ask you on those three hundred units, you know, what your cash flow is. But before we get into that, 
Let's hear a quick word from our sponsors. Many people want to talk about how much money they make, but what's more important is how much money they keep. That's where my company, TrueBooks CPA, comes in. We help real estate investors and business owners across the country with all types of tax and accounting services. This includes bookkeeping, tax planning, tax preparation, and CFO consulting. I can tell you, my businesses have exploded since I started taking my accounting seriously. And if you want to do the same, you can go book a free call at truebookscpa.com. Once again, that's truebookscpa.com. One of the best ways to get off-market real estate deals is through cold calling. And if you want to reach as many people as fast as possible, then you need Batch Dialer. With their predictive dialing technology and built-in CRM, Batch Dialer is one of the top dialers in the industry. You can switch between single or multi-line dialing, as well as do voicemail drops and call recordings. And for being a listener of The Ryan Pineda Show, you'll get a seven-day free trial. Just go to batchdialer.com slash Ryan. Once again, that's batchdialer.com slash Ryan. One of the hardest parts about real estate investing is finding a good contractor. That's where Southwestern Custom Construction comes in. They've been doing remodels in Nevada and Arizona since 2006. As a fully licensed and bonded general contractor, they're able to help with any type of renovation, all the way from an entry-level fixer-upper to a custom luxury home. Southwestern Custom Construction specializes in working with investors. I've personally used them on many of my projects, so I know their team is legit. If you want to get a bid on a project, head over to customhomenow.com. Once again, that's customhomenow.com. Now, back to the show. All right, so on the 300 units, man, I got to know, like, what's what's cash flow look like owning 300 units? So I have to kind of do the math in my head because some of it's through property management. So I'm just going to kind of... Yeah, bl- yeah. Bl- bl- I, don't, blur- I, don't, I don't need the exact to yeah. the penny. All right, so in Mississippi, it ranges... On 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 one particular in the Gulf Coast, it ranges between about thirty five and forty five a month, and then it's about ten in another region, so that puts us up to fifty five. Um, and in Kansas City, it should be close to it's probably about a hundred and thirty or forty thousand all in. It obviously varies yeah, yeah, yeah. on stuff like that. So you're one hundred fifty, hundred eighty thousand a month in just cash flow. Correct. That's insane. I can't even imagine. You know, here, here's what I'll say. What keeps you motivated to work at that point? You know, because, right, everybody who reads Rich Dad, Poor Dad, you said, you know, Kiyosaki had a big influence on why you started buying these rentals early on. And, um, you know, you've achieved financial freedom at this point, obviously. So right. how do you stay motivated? Well, watching guys like you, Totally. I'm going to like hats off. I like to see guys that push the envelope. I'm inspi- I'm inspired by guys who do a lot. I have a lot of mentors like Carl Icahn. I'm not sure if you're familiar yeah. with him. Big hedge fund guys. I want a jet. Like, I, I, <laughs> that's it. I, I, I mean, Just, I, I want the jet. That's, that's the motivation. If, if I get the jet, <laughs> uh, I will say I might retire. <laughs> I mean, because I just, I feel like if you can have total freedom, that's what everybody's seeking, right? Yeah. Is, to be able to go where you want, do what you want to do, and not have any worries. So what keeps me going is I set a goal in my head about 20 years ago that I wanted to be on the Forbes list. Got it. So I don't know if that's obtainable because I said by I'm 40 and I'm 43 now. <laughs> but uh, I feel like the jet is obtainable. And I, like just alone on houses, I figured if I got 
you know, a thousand doors in Kansas City, that's going to bring me up to five hundred thousand. Because I usually, my simple math is, I'm going to get five hundred dollars net per house. Okay. So that's. Are you what, still trying to buy all cash, or are you doing leverage? So, um, yeah, that was actually something that hit me way down the line. I didn't leverage at all in the beginning, and I probably would have gone a lot farther. You'd already have way more than a 1000 Yeah, so I'm still not leveraging. Like, what I'm looking to do is I'm looking to bring in partners because if I want to get to a 1000 doors and I don't have the cash to get there, then I'd rather bring in my skill set, which is buying them deep, rehabbing them cheap, and then you're getting basically – 50% of the property or the profits and everything like that. But if it's discounted by 50%, it's like a hundred, it's like a hundred. Yeah. So that's how I intend to grow that. Um, I intend to grow it by some other things that we've talked about it, like possibly building out a REIT or a hedge fund and other things like that. Yeah. And I can tell you, that's one of the reasons why, you know, I'm starting my fund is because I see so many great operators like yourself like, you know, a bunch of my friends. And I know that with those connections, if I just raise money with my audience, I could easily partner with you. And then we go buy, you know, the entire Kansas City. You know, like, it, it's possible. With, St. With Joe, Joe, Missouri is cheaper, too. We'll go to St. Joe. Like, I'm cool with that. No, I, I got to do my, my market research more than just watching Pat Mahomes. But I'll... <laughs> I'll I'll do some research just so everybody watching this knows. Um, we don't just go on gut. All you know, we go on gut sometimes. But uh, yeah, I think that's that's amazing, dude. And what what's your goal for the jet? Like, what kind of jet you want? I'm sure you already picked it out, dude. You've guaranteed. No, no I haven't because it's a little bit far off. I mean, obviously, I want a Gulfstream. You know what I mean? Yeah. But uh, what do those run? They're like anywhere. I mean, you could spend anywhere from three million to twenty five, thirty, forty. I mean, there's no three million. Like you could buy a three million dollar jet now. Yeah, but the problem is the fuel and the pilot, and it's all, just not like worthwhile. At this it doesn't point. make sense. You that's I really did the math. You really need to be making about five hundred thousand dollars a month passive for it to make sense. Got it. Otherwise, it's just you wanting to have a jet <laughs> and you're. Putting yeah. all, all your money away into jet. So for me, I'll, I'm good with Southwest, the companion pass right now. <laughs> I got the companion pass too. In fact, me and Sean Bobber flying to Arizona on Sunday with the companion pass. Oh, so you switch them in and out? No, Sean Bob's been my companion for like the last year because, okay. you know, number one, Mindy wants to fly first class now. So, you know, <laughs> Sean Bob is okay flying companion. So okay. him and I will go Southwest, but I think uh, Sion is going to have to be my new guy, my camera guy, because he he travels with me more than Sean Bob now. Okay, but well, yeah, Ken's looking like that for me too. Yeah, Ken's going to be living it up. It's funny we were talking about. <laughs> I took Sion to Puerto Rico uh, a couple weeks ago. We were staying at the Ritz Carlton. You know, we flew first class to Puerto Rico. I was like. Hope you're having fun, man. Like this is this is pretty sweet. Well, the best thing is like when you have all these points with these credit cards, nothing costs you nothing. I don't pay on my flights for Southwest. I don't pay for any of it. It's all points. Yeah, I haven't paid for a flight in quite a while. Yeah. Oh, uh, so I think I still have mad points. Yeah, it's crazy. Keep, keep getting them. Get the Marriott Bonvoy card as well. Marriott Bonvoy. No hotels. Dude, I'm gonna have to check that one out. I'll, I'll have to write that in my notes. Um. But yeah, that's crazy just, you know, to see your progression in real estate and then still not be satisfied where you're at, like the hunger. People ask me that all the time. They're like, Ryan, what's your financial freedom number? 
like, what do you mean my financial freedom number? Like, there doesn't exist. What do you, like, I don't care. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm working. Not, I don't do this. Like, I honestly, I don't have anything close to the passive income you have or anything. I don't do it for the money. Like, I just enjoy new endeavors and making money and working hard and creating content. Like, that brings me the fulfillment. The money's great too, but like, I just enjoy doing new things. Yeah, I think the money is the measuring stick, and it's kind of like, you know, how well are you doing at it? But for me, I like to solve the problem. That's why I've always said, like, with the deals, like, I like the clouded title issues. I like the lawsuit that I got to fight through. <laughs> I, 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 I You're like, the only guy who likes lawsuits. Dude. Well, I just got a default judgment for 200000 against me, and I'm like, how the hell am I getting out of this one? <laughs> <laughs> you know, so it's just part of the deal, you know, and the more you – you, you test yourself, the tougher you are, you yeah. know, in this business. I mean, I had the state of Nevada try to shut down my towing business. Yeah, let's talk about the towing business. That's one that's, uh, you know, interesting. You want to hear how that happened? Yeah. It wasn't a Monday night football game. <laughs> You're watching your own car get towed? What happened? You're exactly right. I was in Miami, <laughs> and uh, we were going out to dinner, me and my wife, and I uh, – I was looking at the valet prices, and I think anybody, and I think you're the same way, anybody who wants to get money is thrifty to some degree. Right. And at that point in time, I was very thrifty, and I <laughs> the $7 an hour, the $7 valet parking just seemed like way too much. And, and so uh, what, I, what I did was I uh, went to City, Citibank, and I saw that it said Citibank customers only, and I said, well... I've used their ATM before. <laughs> and I looked at the guy next to me and I said, Is it okay to park here? And he said, Yeah. So we got out of the got out of the lot over there and I noticed my car wasn't there. And I seen another tow truck come in and take it. And uh they took my car and I was pissed. And the guy got all my money, two forty cash, two forty cash. He kept repeating that and wouldn't let my car up. And so I filed like attorney general complaints against them. I thought it was totally <laughs> wrong. I did everything that you could possibly do to try to get my money back and they got it. And I said, That's a hell of a racket. And so <laughs> so my buddy owned a towing business here that he'd been trying to get me to partner with, because I am good at getting like contracts, whether it's REO contracts and whatnot. And uh, he wanted to partner, and he just didn't think it would be a good partnership. And so I said, if you ever just want to sell out, just call me. And we kept in touch for four years, and he ended up selling it to me. Wow. And how's that been? Terrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not every business is success. Tell us about it. So, all right. So the towing business has got a really, really cool thing. Like, I can tow your tesla tomorrow and you can go on like a 30-day vacation and forget to like go get your mail and stuff because you're out in puerto rico or wherever you're at and then i own it because if you're if you don't have a loan on it i strip off everything it's called an affidavit lien sale so basically if you don't come pick up your car we wipe off every lien on the property any note on the property the car is owned free and clear it's a very nevada has very sounds like the hoa foreclosures back in the day Yes, but except for it's it's except for there's no question of the law. So you're telling me my Tesla, which has a note right now, if it got towed, what happens to the note holder? They get xed out. If so, what happens is we have to notify the RO and the note holder. Okay? okay, so the registered owner and the note holder. So we tow your Tesla. You're illegally parked. You think you're too good for it. We put we we, <laughs> we, we grab you out of there. You got your hazards on. Whatever you're leaving it running. We tow it back. You're out of town. You're on some vacation. Whatever the situation is, 
right when we hook it up, our tariff says that we're getting X number of dollars, like $325 from take it to take it to our shop, right? So then after a certain number of days that it's in our shop, we have to notify the RO, registered owner, and the lien holder, okay, that we have their car. If they don't come by our auction date. 30 that, days later. Around that, yeah, 30 to 40 to 50, just depending on when we filed the paperwork. Yeah. Then that lien, it, it is sold at auction, and that car is ours. Wow. How often does this happen? I wish it happened more, but, <laughs> but, but, uh, it happens. I mean, we have, I think sitting on a lot right now, we have like a 2017, this, a 2018, that a, a Jeep that's worth like, uh, you know, $15,000, but most of the stuff is junk. It's mostly, you know, this car needed to be hauled out of there anyways. It was abandoned and you're taking it to the junkyard. So the good ones don't happen often, but they're the gravy. Once you get them, it's, it really pays for itself. Yeah. But it's a nasty business. Well, yeah, no, nobody likes the towing company. Yeah, I've never had anybody really say thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so yeah. I mean, it's just and, and and it's you know, as you know, as you're going uh, farther, I will tell you the best thing that ever happened to me in the towing business is that I got my ass kicked. Am I allowed to say yeah. that? Yeah, say what you want. Okay, we'll just censor you. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so like you know, I had the state come down on me. Uh, for whatever reason, and basically tried to shut me down. And so what I learned... Um, so I own a lot on Fremont, and we have... There's a bunch of mechanic uh, shops on there. It's an old car dealership. And we went and towed... We had warned the guys because they were parking like within the fire lanes, and you can get a huge fine from Clark County. So we had warned them. We'd send them letters, and then we tagged them, which all the things were supposed to do. So we went one night in the middle of the night, and my guys took out, like, 11 cars. And so the NTA, which is the Nevada Transportation Authority, came in there, and they just didn't like the way we did it. And so they said, give them back. And so I said, okay, I'll give them back. And then the next day they said, that doesn't mean we're done with you. And so for, like, the next three months, four months, they continued to come into my office every day and write me citations like, oh, this T wasn't dotted here or the I wasn't dotted here, the T wasn't crossed here. And they just started blanking with my, me with citations and pushing off my hearing. And I said, this is not about this. This is about something else. And I had no phone call to make to anybody. And they're telling me, you better hire a criminal attorney. And I'm like, what for? What did I do wrong? They're, and they're just playing cop games because they're and they're and they're all cops in there. Ah, uh, so what was the problem? Like they just a vendetta, a grudge. Um, I would speculate it's a couple different things. The first thing is maybe I made my goals because I wanted to get Metro. Because the big deal in towing is if you get Metro, you're making eight hundred thousand dollars a month. Crazy. So yeah. if you get, so that was the goal to get Metro. And I made that goal known to a lot of people. Yeah. And I think sometimes you should just keep that to yourself. <laughs> the rival towing companies don't like that. Yeah. I think that, you know, there was a couple things. We had one of the guy, the guy, the guy who was after me at the Nevada Transportation Authority was partners with a guy that we had helped get eliminated from that job. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. Man, business is dirty sometimes like that. Yeah, that was a big learning lesson. Yeah. 
So you still have the towing company as of today. Yes, I'm not an active uh, operator. <laughs> not an active promoter of it. <laughs> no, I mean, we do we do great. It makes money. It just, I, I, I'm better off. It's not. more headache than your time. Is Correct. Right. 100%. Yeah, I hear you on that. So... Obviously, you've you've done a lot of different things. I mean, you've you've done the realtor thing, REOs. The big thing is, I see you always moving and shaking. You know, like, all right, REOs aren't aren't you know making the money anymore. Let's do this now. All right, let's let's go buy here. All right, Vegas. You know, not very good returns now. Let's go to Kansas City. You're like an adapter, which is amazing. And I see you now trying to adapt in a new way. Right. And. Uh, Part of the reason why you're here and, you know, why we've been talking more. Tell me about that. So, yeah. So, I've been a huge YouTube consumer. Like, I, I love YouTube for um, just a million different reasons. All the stuff that you can learn on there. And so, I started, um, you know, I, I did the social media thing and I just felt like they were too, I guess, what's the word I'm looking for? Too my privacy was compromised, I felt. So I had a little bit of a problem with that. And so I, I started, you know, I'm interested in what people are doing. So I started getting on Instagram and starting to follow people. And I started seeing what you were doing out there. I'm like, why is this guy putting his checks out there? <laughs> why is he talking about this? Why is he talking about that? And I, I'll be honest with you, I was hating on a little bit. I'm like, ah, he's only been around for like, you know, a little bit. And then I'm like, okay, after watching Consistency, and time, I'm like, all right, let's go out to lunch. I think that was like <laughs> the first time, like, you remember we went yeah. to that one place, yeah. and I was like, let, 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 let me get to know this guy. Yeah. I think we had run into each other on a few deals or something yeah. like that. I had sold you a couple of deals. Yeah. We, were, we were always big into, like, you know, figuring out probate or figuring something out. But when I saw what you did with the, your YouTube channel in the fastest time that you did it, I said, this is some guy who could teach me a lot. And I recognize that no matter young or old, no matter on the on the streets or, <laughs> you know, in the business office, I was like, this guy is not a one trick pony. And I'm and I'm telling you that. Like I'm I have a lot of respect for what you've done. I think you're an all in type of guy like me. And I've I felt like you know what? The biggest thing that I had a trouble with was being vulnerable and being, and I, I know you've mentioned that before, and showing what I've got because of being scared to be sued or being scared to, you know, people to know what you have. Right. And so I had to come to grips with if I'm going to do this, I got to let it all out. Yeah. Yeah. No, and I think uh, I even struggle with that too. You know, I when we first met, I think it was like 2017, maybe maybe 2018-ish. And I wasn't nearly anywhere where I'm at today, right? I was just kind of getting started right? Um, as far as social media goes. But even then, you know, I kind of recognized the power. I was like, hey, if I start telling people what I'm doing, people will send me more deals. They'll, you know, want to partner with me on deals and whatever. And I saw the fruits of that. You know, I would get deals that made me twenty, thirty thousand dollars. I'm like, I should probably do more of this, you know? Yeah. And so I started to be more out there. It's like, right. hey, we bought five properties today. We made X amount of money today. And then people are like, dang, how do I do that? You know? And so then it leads to all these other opportunities. And, you know, I did that for a couple of years with great success. And that was my business model. Hey, like, let's just put it out there, just full transparency, good or bad. And 
you know, we'll get business that way. But yeah, it wasn't until last year, 2020, when I was like, hey, there's like another level to this. Right. You know, and if, if you go really all in, the, the like the level is insane. Well, yeah, I mean, I like when I saw what you did as quickly as you did it and I realized it wasn't just to tell everybody what I got. There was actually a really good purpose there, which was to inform, to educate, to bring good content. And then I saw how fast you grew and how you did. I mean, I watched it. I've sat there and watched and I said, man, I could do that. And I think I, I think I, I always am helping people out in general on the, on the secret. And if I'm going to help out a bunch of people, the best way to do it is through social media and YouTube and all that. Yeah. Well, I think too, when you're out there helping people, um, a lot of people are like, oh man, like I want to do it in secret. Right. And like, I don't want people to think I'm just doing this for, you know, oh, look at me. Right. But the thing that happens is when you do everything in secret is you're only helping that one person, you know, right. When you're out there in front of the camera being, you know, telling everyone, like, I didn't know you were watching my stuff, right? Until you told me, you're like, all right, tell me how you did it. Like, I've been watching you for the past whatever <laughs> months. and But you don't know who you're impacting when you're just out there being transparent. And it makes sense. Like, when I look at all my views across everything, you know, it's like hundreds of thousands, like, probably daily at this point between all the platforms. And it's like, that's like, literally, if you picture it, over hundreds of thousands of people like watching this specific video and who knows how that's affecting their life. It's, it's crazy. Like to, it's kind of mind boggling right. when you actually think about it. Right. And I think all the other stuff comes as a byproduct of it. Like, all right, you know, now people want to do business with me in this type of way. And that's great. We're going to make money doing that. But yeah, the impact is like, there's nothing like it. It's crazy. Yeah, I mean, the thing for me was that, like, I was already using it as a consumer, so I believed in the product. <laughs> and so I'm like, if we deliver good content and we deliver good results for people, then we're going to... following will come. Right. Yeah. So that's what we're focused on, much as the same as you. I feel like you bring good content, and I think that's why your channel's growing. I think that's why you're doing a lot more stuff is because you've seen the impact you've had. You realize, I think one thing that you mentioned to me that really hit home was that, you know, the amount of opportunities that it presented to you, even if you don't, you know, make a bunch of money on YouTube, but the amount of people that you meet or the relationship it's going to lead you to because you're out there. The way I look at YouTube is you're almost your own producer and it's your own channel. And so, yeah, you know, like if, whether you're doing, uh, I, I do like, I do yoga videos on YouTube all the time and those have huge followings. Like, yeah. and I'm like, What's the difference? If I'm a consumer, you're not making the yoga video. You're watching. Them. I'm I'm thinking about doing a collab with you. <laughs> we'll do a yoga video. Um, yeah, I'm watching them. Yeah. Well, I think it's just like the opportunities are the best part of it. I actually had, you know, um, Landon and Jesse Boakley on here um, before this, and we were talking about that. We're like, the opportunities are like really where the big money's at, and like the op. Just like the fun too. When somebody tells me about a cool new opportunity, that gets me excited, you know? Right. If somebody tells me, hey, Ryan, here's how you can go get like, you know, 20 more deals this year. I'm like, 
okay, like that's cool. I get like that's cool, but it's not new and exciting, right? Yeah, it's 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 a total the the the, uh, the social media and the YouTube. You know, I had a video. I think if you look me up, but like twelve years ago, I had no. I mean, like, like it's like like when YouTube first came out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a little a little bit after that, but pretty damn close. And I just looked at that, and I'm like, okay, I'm obviously doing something. I didn't do it right. I just did it. And so watching how you did it is because I mean, just like real estate, you can have these guys flip houses and they don't do it right. They don't make any money. Right. And so we're go or they don't have the result they want to achieve. And my result is the same. My goal is the same as yours, which is to get a massive amount of following by providing good content. I think that's your goal. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, my whole goal with social media, right? You had mentioned earlier was like, Hey, you know, money's cool, but really it's like a measuring stick. You know, obviously social media followers are kind of that measuring stick. Right. You know, and so it's like, yeah, that's always a goal. That's a way to measure. Are we growing and doing what we're supposed to do? Views, that that's another measuring stick, right? And, you know, I, I'm trying to grow it as massive as I can. Um, and my big thing I tell people is like, when you start out, it's always the hardest point, right? When I, at this point, when I try and launch something new, I just have so much more momentum. Like this podcast launch was insane because of the hard work I've done the last eight months, you know? And like you, I, I had a channel, you know, a couple of years ago, but I never once looked at it. (laughs) I didn't like upload anything. I had videos. I was like, Hey, just go upload it. Like I told my, my team, like just upload it to YouTube, whatever. Like we never thought about the title, the thumbnail, the, what kind of content to put out, how to hook viewers and structure. And, you know, it's just, I once for me, what made me go all in on it was that I watched other people just like you and I was inspired by them. And I realized that there was actually a formula to it. You know, once you realize there's a formula and a system and a process, we know in business, okay, as long as we follow these, we can be successful. And I think most people think that YouTube or social media is like a crapshoot. Right. Where it's like, hey, uh, I don't know what kind of content to put out. I guess you just get lucky and get a viral video. But it's like, no, there's actually a recipe to get viral videos and consistent content and all that. And so um, I just, once I realized that, I was like, I can... Now I'm motivated because it's not gambling. It's literally a business that you can succeed in if you just do the right things. Well, and and that's where I'm going to give you the big uh, props is because, like, I wouldn't have started if I didn't see you get to 100,000. Like, I wouldn't even have, like, oh, okay. Like, I just would have kind of continued to think about it or whatever. But when I saw, like, I'm like, okay, he's starting. And it's not like he's starting and then, okay, he goes away and nothing happens. It's like... He's starting and he got to this amount and I'm like, that's fantastic. And I watched yeah. how you do it from promoting through social media. And I'm like, okay, you got to be comfortable doing goofy dances on uh, yeah, TikTok. T- you got to, <laughs> got to get vulnerable. <laughs> yeah, you got to get vulnerable. You got to get outside your comfort zone, which is everything in success. Yeah. Right. So I just felt like, you know what? It, it, and that's kind of what, what our channel is, is if I can do it, so can you. Yeah. Right. Or if you can do it, so can I. Yeah. And so I felt like, hey, there's all the resources we have. I have the money to hire a professional team for things that I don't know. And being a control freak, for me, I was still studying and mastering <laughs> and trying to figure everything out. But that stuff changes so quick that you need to have people that are just 
fully engaged in that. Yeah. I, I know you're a really big reader. Um, a book I just read is called Who Not How um, okay. by, by Dan right. Sullivan. Definitely check it out. And um, it is super good for that reason. We, we've talked about this a lot on the podcast of just like, man, so many people want to learn the skill that they need when in fact they should just be looking for the person they need. Who, not how. Because it's like, yo, I could learn how to edit videos and film and, uh, you know, cameras. And I, I know an okay amount. Right. Just enough. Like, I know just enough to know if they know what they know. Like, if they if they know enough. Right. But I for sure don't know anything about, like, the details of it. Just enough. So I think that's key for a lot of people is, like, you don't need to be perfect or have all the answers or know, be a master at the whole craft, like you can just be good at one thing and like dominate. Right. So yeah. And, and the other part you touched on too, was like getting out of your comfort zone. I remember it was a year ago today, actually like around today I was at a mastermind and my friend Kong who has over 2 million followers on TikTok now at the time he had a hundred thousand and I was like, dang, you got 100,000 followers on TikTok? That's a lot. Like, dude, he's like, bro, you got to get on TikTok. You got to do this. And I was like, why? Like, it's just kids dancing. It's not like people doing real estate stuff. Right. And he's like, no, dude, you got to get on. I was like, whatever, dude. Didn't have a YouTube at that time either. And I give him the credit because he followed, He stayed on me. You know, it was still a month. I still had not posted. But I had set up my account and stuff. He's like, why haven't you posted? What are you doing? And I was like, man, all right, whatever. Like I'll post and I post and I post. I'm like, then I get a viral video. Well, viral at that time, you know, like 10,000 views. I'm like, dang, that's a lot of views. So what's viral now? Million plus on on TikTok. Anyways. Um, but I was like, whoa, 10,000 views. And I just got like a thousand followers overnight. This is crazy. Like Instagram is way harder to get a thousand followers. Yeah, it's almost impossible. Yeah. And I was like, this is nuts. And so I just kept doing it and doing it. And then the pandemic started and, you know, we're, lo- we're locked down. I'm like, what am I going to do at my house right now? Like, I guess I'll just do these TikTok things. And sure enough, you know, I got to like a hundred thousand followers and like, I don't even remember. It was super quick, like a month or two. And I was like, wow, that was when the light bulb went off. I was like a hundred thousand, like on Instagram at the time I had 20,000 or something. And I just got a hundred in way less time. And then I started to watch these YouTube guys and I was like, wow, like these guys, they're crushing it. And I just went all in at that point. I got inspired. I went all in on both TikTok and YouTube and in turn, Instagram ended up growing with it. I wasn't even focused on Instagram. Right. Like, I was just like, here's a TikTok, here's a YouTube, go watch it. But it wasn't ever like I was making all this Instagram content. But now my Instagram's over 100,000 just because it feeds from all of these other platforms. Yeah, they're going to find you wherever the platform they like. Yeah. So my big thing is like, just if you're going to go full time at social media and content, you know, pick one or two that you're really passionate about. Obviously, YouTube is something you've been passionate about forever. So dominate that. But I would also, you know, 
say get on TikTok because it's just going to help your YouTube. You know, I followed you when you were starting to talk about TikTok, and I I've actually been a huge consumer of TikTok. So I I thought it's addicting. Yeah, it's totally addicting. <laughs> like my daughter's always like, "Daddy, can we watch TikTok?" <laughs> you know, and obviously on the videos that she's not, I'm like, oh, "Not that one." Yeah, but I mean, yeah, it's totally addictive. It's it's I it's. I think the best platform out there to get viewers. I think I looked at yours the other day and you were like 6.4 million or something like that. And that was like, yeah. Views. Yeah. Or likes or something. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, this guy just started, you know, yeah, less than a year, dude. It's crazy. Like how quick you can blow up on TikTok and, um, you know, just using those TikToks and throwing them on Instagram. That's really what helped my Instagram grow because yeah. on Instagram, you know, those TikToks, They'll, they'll get like 50,000, 100,000 views. I'm like, this is crazy. You know, like, because Instagram is like trying to promote that now because they see how addictive that kind of content is compared to a static picture. Like, right. you look at a picture for one second, you're like, all right, cool. Yeah, next. right. But on TikToks, it's like 30 seconds, you're watching that thing like in depth and you're like, man, I want another. Give me another TikTok. For sure, for sure. Yeah, it's it's a great platform, and I'm sure there's going to be more of them. We, I, I don't know much about Reddit, but my guys were bringing that up to me the other day, and they were like, you got to get on Reddit. You know, I'm not on it at all, but I'll say that I'm sure it is really good. I mean, obviously people love it. It's it's just a different type of content, right? Like, it's, it's you know, like, I don't even want to talk like I know it because I don't, but <laughs> you know, it, it's You're like not a, alone. Yeah. It's like a forum chat room type right. deal, you know? So I just think everyone can become like an influencer and known. And there's like a variety of ways to do it. I mean, For there sure. are guys who are just only on TikTok and they crush it guys only on YouTube. And, um, if you have the ability and the bandwidth to try and do them all, then I think that's how you grow ultra fast for sure so yeah i i think it's great man i i love what you're doing you know you got your camera guy in here already you know i told you to get a guy and then literally the next week you already had set up everything and yeah we're, we're going like i'm an all-in guy like we're going 100 percent all in ken's gonna be i told him I'm, we're, we're going out to the desert tomorrow to jump my raptor to so get some good like intro footage oh nice yeah i mean we're going all the way in if i gotta jump out of a plane i don't <laughs> i mean whatever it is we're gonna do it there's this guy, if you watch him, his name's Arak. No, I haven't. He's a YouTuber. So his whole deal was last year, he started with zero and got to a million in one year. And uh, that, So I got to so beat him? Yeah, you got to beat Arak. <laughs> um, but the you know his videos are really good. Go watch them. But one of the things he did was jump out of a plane. Like, he's just doing crazy stuff. Jumping out of planes, sneaking into, like, these big events, and, like, he's crazy. Yeah, I love doing that stuff. I've been sneaking into events for years. Hey, here's here's a good thing for you is like, uh, and here's a different a way to differentiate yourself uh, is like add a twist to your niche. And so if your twist is like doing crazy crap while talking about real estate and business and stuff, dude, that that'll go viral for sure. Yeah. Um, I was talking about my friend Andre. Uh, I got to get him on this podcast, but. His whole deal is magic and finance. He does magic tricks while he talks about finance. Right. So it's like there's so many ways to, like, differentiate yourself, you know, with the same, like, niche type of content. I don't even really know how I differentiate myself. I haven't even. 
I think there's a lot of sports in yours and a lot of like, you know, the whole, I mean, it originally started with like the all-star investor and yeah. like, you know, I think there's a lot of athleticism. Yeah. I mean, you, you, I know you post a lot of your workout videos yeah. and that's kind of probably to keep yourself accountable. And also, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, I think it's great. You know, yeah, I mean? that's true. Yeah. Being like the jock investor, you know, also family stuff. I think I talk about family a lot more than, than most. Yeah, and I th- and I and I I look up to I think it's great, you know, my kids right now are like they it was so funny. We just got back from Naples yesterday and um I'm telling my kids you got to rid of get rid of some of these toys. You know, you got too many toys, it's time <laughs> to get rid of them. And then I'm like and then I'm like you should throw them on offer up. And then they found out they could get money for them. <laughs> and they're like they're selling everything. <laughs> Fire sale. Let's and, get rid of them all. And, and I go, "Do you want to do you want to sell the dog?" And they're like no. And I'm like, what if you could get five grand? And they're like, no. <laughs> and so they, they, no matter what number I got up to, I was appreciated that they didn't want to sell the dog. Dude, I love it. That's so funny. It's And that's the funny thing about today's world is like, my kids are not old enough to do it yet, but I'm curious to see like how resourceful and entrepreneurial they'll be, you know? Yeah. I mean, they, they I've, I mean, the way I look at it, and and I think I talked to you about this last time we sat down, is I don't look at just YouTube just for me. Like, I look at it like we've got to master it. We've got to master it. And I always say YouTube, but I don't – the social media, that platform to promote what I'm doing and teaching about how to become a successful real estate investor and what that's meant to me and how you can become financially free and how anybody can do it. That's kind of my big push is – you know, I can do it. I can teach you how to do it and retire in five years. Yeah. You know? But I feel like for my, for any content, whether it's, you know, my kids unboxing toys, you know, there's an audience. For sure. Yeah. I mean, look at Ryan's world. The kid <laughs> makes, you know, 30 million plus a year. Exactly. I, you know, whenever, so <laughs> I see like the other finance guys and real estate guys. I'm like, all right, they're doing really good, man. Those guys are crushing it. And then I see guys like, the kid open up toys and I'm like, I'm in the wrong business, dude. Like I should be opening up toys and doing something that's way easier than this. <laughs> yeah. I think they only got, like you said, the, they only have one exit strategy and like with all the affiliate marketing and hedge funds and going to the next level of what you're trying to do, this fits way better than like oh, yeah, me and you sure. doing yoga on a YouTube. <laughs> We can still do yoga, but, you know, yeah, yoga is probably not going to lead to too many big opportunities. Right. Maybe it'll give me a Lululemon deal or something, but, yeah. But anyways, dude, um, I know we're coming up on time, and you're, you're referencing in all your socials. Where are these guys going to find you? Uh, they're going to find us. At, it's the Troy Kearns channel on YouTube, and everything else is going to be on Instagram. We're going live Monday. so What's your Instagram handle? Oh, God. You would ask me that. I don't know. <laughs> All right, guys, we got some work to do, but uh, we're, we'll link to it down below in the uh, podcast yeah, I'll, description. I'll, I'll send you everything. We just set it all up. Um, Ken might know it, but uh, I don't know it off the top of my head. Hey, don't worry, though, because I'm, you know, I've changed my channel names and stuff, you know, number of times. I'm actually in the process of trying to get, like, the handle at Ryan Pineda, just to have my name. So it, mine will probably change, too. Yeah, I, yeah. I um, I would have brought that next time. I'll send it to you. We have a bunch of channels. I don't know what they are. I'm letting those guys handle everything. And then I I I didn't even know I had to go live. So I know, do you go live a lot? I don't do it too much, but I do it occasionally. Yeah, it's good though. That's what I'm hearing. It's yeah. the best way is to go live with somebody else. Yeah, yeah. If you yeah for sure. If you go live with someone else, it'll definitely help your audience. Right on. Yeah. 
So cool, man. Well, we'll link to all those below, dude. Um, you know, once again, I just want to say congrats on all your success, you know, still staying hungry despite having success and financial freedom. Like that inspires me to know that I'm not crazy that, you know, when, when you got that hustle mentality, it never goes away. No, I'm looking up to you on this. I'm taking your lead on it and I'm happy to share anything that I uncover that you don't. And you know, iron sharpens iron, right? That's right, baby. I love it. So Appreciate you having, or uh, I appreciate you coming on. And uh, guys, if you're not subscribed to Troy's channel and um, follow him on Instagram, make sure you guys do that. And if you're not subscribed to this channel, make sure you guys are, you know, subscribed on Apple Podcasts, subscribed on the YouTube channel, and uh, you'll be notified every time there's new episodes. So, anyways, we appreciate you guys for listening. Take care. Thanks for watching The Ryan Pineda Show. If you want to work with me, head over to ryanpineda.com. You can find my courses, coaching programs, and upcoming events. We also have free resources you can download, so head over to ryanpineda.com.